Do you ever feel like you have too much on your mind? Or have you felt like there's so much going on, there's so much chaos that it's so easy to miss something really important? We have a distracted world. In fact, my guess is that it is so easy to distract us that it just takes one little ding of a notification on our phone and it's like, wait, what? And we are off to somewhere else. How many things in our life distract us every day? And it's one of those things where like there are distractions everywhere we turn, whether it's on our phones, it's the news, it's who walks past us, it's at work, it's at home, it's even in our own heads. How many ways can we be distracted in a day? And we sometimes probably hit all of them. And so how do we get through those things? How can we find a rhythm in life to deal with the distractions of this world? Because they come at us so fast, sometimes it feels overwhelming. And so for today, we are going to go look at a story where it's after resurrection, resurrection being that God cannot die, that love cannot die. And so we find the disciples struggling. They are struggling at this moment because they have lost, they are grieving the loss of Jesus, and yet they have these moments with him and they don't recognize him. They are so distracted by everything that's going on that they have trouble. And so this moment of where Jesus appears to them and they don't recognize him is one to give us pause in how do we deal with when we are so distracted and how do we find a way forward? How do we become less distracted? Is it even possible? How do we begin to deal and navigate with those distractions in such a way that we begin to live well? We begin to thrive. Instead of feeling overwhelmed, we begin to feel like we are thriving. So for today, we are going to start in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 19. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He, he said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. All right, so a few things are happening there. It says they are prevented from recognizing him. They are so stuck in the past they are so stuck, and it's even on good stuff. They're actually stuck on some good stuff. Have you heard about what Jesus, the words and deeds that he did? He did such great things. People have called him a prophet. They are stuck in the past on the good things that Jesus has done that they cannot recognize Jesus in the present with them. They're also kind of stuck on what who they think Jesus was, right? They just named him a prophet. They said that about him. These are supposed to be Jesus' disciples. So they're caught 
in the past of they're grieving the loss of their friend, they're grieving the loss of the one they followed while recognizing the good that he did, but they're stuck. And so for us, how often do we get distracted by even the good things of the past, but keep us from living in the present, keep us from experiencing the present, the good of the present, the things that actually matter in the present moment. And so that's one of those questions to kind of begin to roll around in our minds of going, all right, what about the past distracts me right here, right now? What emotions from the past, what events of the past, what are the things that got said in the past that are distracting me, whether they are good or not, that are distracting from me living well right here, right now? Continuing on. In verses 20 through 27. But the chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things, just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things, then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. All right, so right there, they move into explaining the whole thing about then Jesus was crucified, and so there's a sense of grief, of real grief and loss here. And they continue to talk to him. The person who they are grieving, they cannot recognize in front of them to think about what we cannot recognize in front of us that is life-giving that helps us to thrive because that's not our expectation it's not showing up the way that we expect it to and they even go on to state how they misunderstand who Jesus was we had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel what they are saying right there is that they had hoped that he was the king, that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and set up a new nation state, that he would get rid of the occupiers. And so they totally kind of big sense of they don't understand who Jesus is. They didn't understand. They thought it was great, the things that he did, which they've attributed to him being a prophet of him being able to show up with people, him being able to heal people, be present with people, do good things for others. So they've recognized that, but then they also had this other expectation on him. And how often do our expectations distract us from our reality, from what's happening right here, right now in front of us? Because that's not how we expected it to go. So we want good things. We want joy. 
We want to thrive. We want to live well, but we are missing how to because we are so distracted with how we expect it to show up. And so here Jesus is like, he is, a, he is pushing against them really hard. When he says, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wake up. You are missing something. So for ourselves, when we're thinking about the distractions that are happening in our life, when we feel like, you know what, we're too overwhelmed, nothing good is happening, when we feel like that despair or that anger kind of setting in, what are we missing right in front of us that is of God? Because the whole resurrection, God cannot die. God does not abandon us. Love cannot die. And so where is love in the situation that we find ourselves in? And what is distracting us from noticing that love? What are our expectations that are distracting us from noticing that love? Continuing on in verses 28 through 35. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, were our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road? And when he explained the scriptures for us, they got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. So only in the moment, not in what Jesus says, Instead, it's only in the action of Jesus, of blessing and breaking the bread and giving it to them. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. In that moment, Jesus shifts their focus. Finally, he didn't get their attention with, hey, you fools. No, no, he's like, he is present with them. And he finally gets their attention with an action that they recognize. So shifting that focus shifting that focus and them going wait a minute god's with us wait a minute jesus is still with us hold up a second love has not died the goodness the good things of god the good things of jesus life that healing presence has not and so for the moment their focus is shifted from those irrelevant distractions those distractions that are keeping them from recognizing love right there. And so for ourselves, when we're thinking about that, what helps us shift our focus? When we are so distracted, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like our mind is crowded out by everything that's happening or every response we have to make, what shifts our focus to recognize what is most important, what really matters. Instead of getting caught up in the chaos, getting caught up in the negative, in the anger, in the despair, getting caught up in never enough, won't figure it out, it's all falling apart. What do we focus on? What helps us shift our focus to what we need to be focused upon? Is it a conversation? 
Is it a phone call? Is it a quote? Is it something we put on our mirror? Is it an alarm that we set? To begin to think through what are the things that we do? What are the questions maybe we even ask ourselves of, wait a minute, I am too distracted. I am probably missing what is really important right here in the present right now. What helps us keep focus on what is of God, which is life-giving, which is holding us up and strengthening us, which is giving us love every second, every moment of the day, what helps us shift our focus to that instead of everything that we can't change, everything that we're worried about, everything that is keeping us in turmoil, keeping us chaotic, keeping us feeling overwhelmed. Continuing on in verses 36 through 43. While they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see me. For a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. As he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Because they were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness, he said to them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. Right there. Right? They're so excited. They've been talking about, okay, we think, yes, we are experiencing the risen Christ. We are experiencing Jesus once again. Jesus shows up in their midst, and they are terrified and afraid. Not just one, but they are terrified and afraid, and they think they're seeing a ghost. They are filled with fear. They are now distracted by fear, and they are once again distracted by their expectations of how they think Jesus should show up, of how they think things should go. And Jesus pushes right back, like, why? Why are you terrified? Why are you afraid? I'm right here. Notice me. And as he's saying this, he then asks for a piece of baked fish. He's like, I have got to show you that my presence, I am here with you right here, right now. What does it take to shift our focus? What does it take to disrupt to disrupt those unhelpful distractions of fear and expectation. What are the things that help us to refocus? They go, wait, wake up, hold up a minute. God's presence is actually with us. What does it take? Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. What does it take? Does it take a word from someone else? Does it take just a moment of hitting pause and going, I need to take a breath. I need to sit down. I need to look around. What is it? Is it that you've put a quote on your mirror? What is it? What question is it that helps you to refocus? What fears and expectations do you allow to distract you from what is most important? To distract you from God's love? To distract you 
from God's healing presence in your life to distract you? What are the things that keep piling on that you need to go, wait a minute, hold up and push aside? Finishing up in verses 44 through 49, Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Where everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised. But you are here to stay in the city until you've been furnished with heavenly power. Jesus is like, here's what you're going to focus on. Here's what's going to disrupt that unhelpful thinking. This is what's going to push aside all those distractions. First, first here, then he opened his mind to understand the scriptures. So an understanding, like coming to of like, oh, that's what it means. In the context of the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. God's love cannot die. God will not abandon us. God is present with us now. And then, and a change heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations. Okay, right there, a changed heart and a changed life connected to forgiveness. Everything, everyone is forgiven. You are forgiven. Others are forgiven. And so to begin to allow that forgiveness to permeate into our lives of having a changed heart and a changed life means that when we are rolling with the distractions, especially where there's fear, especially when we're upset with, especially when we feel the chaos or the overwhelming because somebody said or did something that we don't like, of how do we allow that forgiveness to permeate our very being? God says we are forgiven. Whatever it is, whatever you are dealing with today, whatever from the past is distracting you, whatever is distracting and overwhelming to you, there is a sense of forgiveness and mercy permeating every part of our being from God if we take the time to notice. And so when we're thinking through about our distractions, How are we paying attention to? How do we shift our focus with, well, what does it mean to have a changed heart, a changed life in this situation? How does that begin to change our responses? How is forgiveness, depending upon what's going on, part of the equation? How should forgiveness be part of the equation? Forgiveness is hard. It is extraordinarily hard. Forgiveness. As Mahatma Gandhi focuses on, he's like, to not forgive, that is weak. It takes strength to forgive. How do we allow that forgiveness to permeate the way that we perceive the world around us? What we allow to distract us, what we allow to get caught up in, how does forgiveness begin to change the narrative for us? How does God's love begin to change what we talk about and how we talk about it when things are just piling on? How do we let God's love cut through it? 
And then this, look, I'm sending to you what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. So what's being talked about there is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is with you. And today is a celebration. Today we recognize the, ce the celebration of the giving of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives in what we call Pentecost. And there are images associated with the Holy Spirit of fire and wind, of being inspired. It's this energy of good in our lives, of good in the world. And so how do we allow that to permeate and cut through the distractions of, okay, where is the beauty of God springing forth right here, right now? Where is God's love growing right here? Even if the situation is awful, where is God's love taking root and helping us to grow forgiveness in our lives for others and ourselves? How are we allowing the Spirit of God to live and be with us? Or are we too distracted? Are we too busy? Is it not what we expect? Is it, is it not in our perception what we perceive of how it should go? Is it we get too caught up in things of the past or we're too caught up in the fears and the anger? We're too caught up in to even notice how the Spirit of God is moving and shifting and guiding us this day. And so when we feel that overwhelm, we feel like we are being overwhelmed by things. When we feel like the world is coming in on us, when we feel like we are too distracted, what about just taking even a second of going, where is God in this? Where is God's Spirit guiding me this day? Where, where is love? How can I notice beauty in? How might I find how, how might I know forgiveness? How might I gain a new understanding, a new perspective? And so how will we be challenged this day by this story of Jesus with the disciples, of getting caught up in things where Jesus is like, just let that stuff go. That's not what's really important. How will we allow this story to disrupt the things that are distracting us and keeping us from living and thriving in God's love, in God's mercy, in God's forgiveness this day. Amen.